editor and host of Talk That Talk, award-winning journalist Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is 10 o'clock on a, almost said Sunday. <laughs> it is 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night. So you guys know what time it is. It is time for Talk That Talk. I don't even know where to begin. But I think a good place to start is to let you guys know that I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. To my left is my guy, Mr. Sure Thing. Mr. Tyler Sure is in the building. What's going on, sir? What's going on, everybody? It's, it's a weird angle on the camera, but the only reason why it's a super weird angle on the camera is because Salim isn't here today. So Salim isn't here. The iPad is over here on my end. So it's kind of tucked away to the side. I want to address a couple things before we get too deep into it. I do want you guys to know that the Talk That Talk radio show records twice weekly from the beautiful Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino, from the largest sewer book in the world for over 50 years. This hotel was the largest in the world for nearly a decade. If you guys want to be a part of this energy here at Westgate, come visit us at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Once again, that address is 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Um, I want to get to two things on this screen. So we're here in the clubhouse. And me and Tyler are looking at uh, SportsCenter. And we were talking about Max Scherzer making his Dodger debut today. and Or tonight, I should say. And when I was – this was last week, I think. So this might have been on Sunday when we were discussing the trade deadline. We discussed – the lineups between the Dodgers and the Yankees and who whose lineup would you rather pitch to? When I went through the Dodgers lineup, I said everybody's name and didn't mention Mookie Betts. Hmm. That's how scary that lineup is. He had two homers tonight. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's how scary that lineup is, and that's the person that I chose to leave out. But it is what it is. Second thing I want to say about these TVs here, as we're looking at the Cleveland Browns training camp here on Inside Training Camp, I got to shout out my OG, Steve Weiss, who is literally bringing us the news right now from the Cleveland Browns training camp. Um, how you doing? Good. Good, good, good. You know what it is. It's, it's, another, it's another day, right? Kind of, yeah, kind of a crazy uh, free agency. <laughs> oh. not, not nearly as crazy as 2019. I see some people have been saying, oh, this is the craziest free agency ever. Bullshit. <laughs> Remember the 2019 free agency, all the stuff that went down? That ended with uh, Kawhi and PG that the Clipper like, dude, that nothing will top that, man. And we were at summer league during that time. Yeah, that was the craziest we were in like month, month you and a half. When Russ got traded, uh, I just got home. You I remember I. Home. Oh wait, no, Russ. Oh, I'm not bad that you meant Kawhi. Um, I don't. I remember the Kawhi thing was crazy because I was. I think we, I was at summer league for like a good portion of the day, and I got mm -hmm. home and I was like, ah, and I checked my phone. I'm like, oh, Kawhi to the Clippers, damn. Paul George for six – or, like, all the – I was like, what? Like, I remember I was so drained. And then, like, the earthquake game. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, oh, was, oh, that wasn't crazy. a very good summer league for you. You got to see Zion for all of eight minutes. Hey, man, those eight minutes, I'd, <laughs> I'd take it – like, I'd go back, dude. That was that was awesome seeing, like, the Thomas and Mac pack like that. Oh, uh, man, it literally was rocking. You can go back and watch that board shake the way that it did when the earthquake occurred. But I think now is a good time to go ahead and start with my mom's tip in. I like this one. The vast possibilities of our great future will become realities only if we make ourselves responsible for that future. So I'm going to read that one more time. The vast possibilities – of our great future will become realities only if 
we make ourselves responsible for that future. So I want to say thank you to my mom for that. Let's go ahead and uh, hop right to it. Um, actually, I didn't think I was starting here, but let's do it now. Um, we're going to get into some local news right away because we're going to tell you guys about the aviators. I do have an exclusive interview to give you guys. In addition to the, the aviators, in this first hour, we're also going to talk some Olympic sports. We, we're literally watching Team USA play Australia as we speak. It is halftime, 45 to 42 in favor of Australia. I mean, Tyler, we're, we've, we've literally watched the first half of this game in the U.S. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. The U.S. fell behind by 11 to Spain. Came back to win. They've been down tonight by as much, I guess over there as today, by as much as 15. Mm. This can't keep happening, right? <laughs> um, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm <laughs> What's it called? Uh, yeah, I know. I'm not too – I mean, I haven't watched too much uh, Team USA, but – Have you been trying to avoid it? No, I'm just like uh, like I told you, man. I'm just not too big into the Olympics. I never have. But even like uh, like the 2016 Olympics, I think I did watch a little bit of the 2016 Olympics because that's when I was like full on like infatuated with Melo, and I still am. Um, I'll forgive him for signing with the Lakers, <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, I guess we'll get to that shortly too. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, man. Um, what's it called? But um, yeah, it's kind it, it's disappointing, right? Um, even if they get gold, it's almost like. Eh. The world's catching up. I think that's the big statement. A lot of people want to shit on Team USA, which is fine. You can. Um, <laughs> like, totally, yeah, you got all these guys, superstars. and I mean, granted, the roster was put together pretty poorly, in my opinion. You need a point guard out there. I don't know what the – I don't know what the – I like Draymond on the team a lot, but, I mean, come on. But, uh, no, nah, the world's catching up, man. The NBA hasn't been an indicator of that, and now we're starting to see it in international football. My bad. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, the funny thing is I remember I was in here – not too long ago, and uh, I had somebody in uh, the clubhouse with me. I think we were watching sports, and right away, she was like, all right, so aside from KD, or no, without saying KD, Braun, or Steph, give me some of the best players in the league, or give me, uh, like, the best player in the league. And I was when I was sitting there, when she first asked, I was like, I'm going to give you a couple names, but you're not going to know any of them. And she was like, why? I was like, what about Nikola Jokic? She looked at me and was like, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> I said, Joel Embiid. She said, not a clue. I said, Luka Doncic. She was like, mm-mm-mm. Huh. So that in itself lets you know, similar to what I told my dad before, you can think about the top five players in the league right now. Three of them may not be from the U.S. Well, Depends on how you shaking up your top five. I'm not finna give you mine, but I'm just saying. I'm trying to put together. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd only say one's not from the U.S. Which is who? Giannis. I'll get my my top five. I got KD one, Giannis two. Uh, I think I got LeBron three, Curry four, and then uh, Kawhi five. Okay. I was already like, I've already been blasphemous for Brian before. I already said some disrespectful stuff in the year that Brian missed the playoffs. I was like, "Fam, I don't know if Brian is a top five player right now." I think I might even push the might have even pushed the envelope and was like, "Is he top ten? I don't know." <laughs> um, 
But obviously that's what happens. But um, getting into, we'll, we'll obviously update you guys on Team USA as it occurs. But give you guys a little background on our Las Vegas Aviators. So our Las Vegas Aviators, um, again, I, I'm not even sure how this continues to go this way. But with a chance to take a stranglehold on the second place spot in the Western Division of the AAA West, Las Vegas dropped the ball. I don't really know how many other ways to say it. It was a six-game series at home at Las Vegas Ballpark. They lost four of six to uh, Tacoma. Of course, Tacoma is of the Seattle uh, Mariners organization. I would love to give you guys a brief synopsis of what that, of what it was like. I kind of can't. I really kind of can't. It's one of those things to where it's you watch a team. You know what? I'll give you the I'll give you the one consistent. This team fights to be, <laughs> and probably in Duna's words. To be as bad as they have been in moments this year, this team strikes out the least of anybody in the Western Division of the AAA West. So, this team's issue has been, aside from pitching, hitting with runners in scoring position. I believe there was a game earlier this uh, series where they, what did they give up? They had... They left nine on nine men on base, and I want to say they went one of fourteen with runners in scoring scoring position. And it was one of those numbers like it made you look at it like, huh? Yeah, like that's pressure talking right there. <laughs> like, okay, you guys don't strike out, but what does happen? Uh, I can't tell you what does happen in terms of the the most recent game, which was last night. Francisco Pena extended his nine-game hitting streak, but he did so with an RBI single. What inning was it? I can't remember which inning was it. Let's say second, just for sake of the conversation. So, he has the RBI single, and then he comes up later in the game, and he hits a two-run homer. And that's his 15th of the year. And then he comes up in the ninth inning. And get this. He comes up in the ninth inning. And there's a delay. As can I see your phone real quick? I'm gonna cut on the uh Team USA game. Um What do you mean ESPN? Oh no, you can go to uh just one of your browsers. So my computer's going wild. So there's a slight delay in the game to where an umpire takes a foul ball off the forearm. So it's a little weird when it seems as if he's going to try to shake it off in the moment, and then it seems as if something's something's wrong. Something's horribly wrong with mm-hmm. – Something and it might be internally. I don't want to. I don't want to assume and and speculate too much here. However, he tries to go back behind the plate and operate his business as usual. 
and he's unable to do so. He ends up leaving the game, obviously. Now we're operating with two umpires instead of three. So, trying to make the story a little a little shorter for you guys. There's a short delay. Then Francisco Pena comes back to the plate. Now, at this time, the Aviators have been down by as much as five runs. The Aviators were down six to one earlier in this game. What do you think Francisco Pena did with the Aviators down one <laughs> in the ninth inning with two runners on after that delay? Uh, I'm going to guess he either grounded out or struck out because a delay ruins the repetition, ruins the reps you got going. So throws your momentum off. I'm assuming that uh, ended pretty, pretty, pretty badly or disappointing, I should say. I will tell you that you are absolutely right when you say that that delay ruins repetitions. It ruins momentum. It ruins rhythm. Yeah, flow and all that stuff. But it ruined all of those things for the picture. For the pitcher. Francisco mm. Pena hit a three-run walk-off home run last night. Oh, okay. Nice. Francisco Pena finished the game with two home runs, six RBIs. And keep in mind, I haven't said that that six RBI game is his season high. Because it's not. He's had a seven RBI game earlier this year. So while it's great to see these moments happen, it's pretty scary to see one star shine brightest during these games. We've seen Vimeo Machine before. We've seen Carlos Perez, who I believe leads the team with three grand slams. We've seen players show areas and moments of brightness before, but I, I guess it's been a little bit different in terms of uh, how often we see it this year. But I know you've been busy with some stuff. I'm not sure if you know about these exclusive interviews. Have you caught any of our exclusive interviews yet on any of your episodes? Mm -mm, I don't think we've done so, since I've been. <coughs> I know it's a Wednesday night thing, but. So now we've been trying to get some some different uh, people here with this uh, exclusive interview that we're trying to do for Wednesday nights. And in the process of doing so, it's still COVID, so it's still no access with the players, the coach, the managers, I should say. It's kind of hard to, to get around a team, so you got to try to find your way around it. So, what I'm about to play is, all right, 16. So, what I'm about to play is an exclusive interview, and I'm going to let you guys, I'm, I'm going to go to the timestamps, essentially. And I'm going to let you guys know what me and Mr. Grady Fuson, once again, that name is Grady Fuson, who was the lead scout and one of the executives for the Oakland Athletics. So you ready? Let's do it. My first question I'm excited for this. to Grady. I told him we were going to do a simple one. I said, I, I, we'll make it as simple as possible. We'll make it fill in the blank. After the 2021 MLB trade deadline, the Oakland Athletics fill blank. And this is his answer. After the 2021 trade deadline, the Oakland A's fill blank. 
Much better. Much better. Why so? Well, first of all, we saw a little bit of an outfield issue. As you know, Piscotty's been in and out of the lineup all year. He's been hurt. Uh, hasn't, you know, been great for us. So, you know, getting a player of the caliber starting Marte, it was, you know, pretty much a yearly all-star. Kind of compliments Can and Laureano and, and whatever else we do. Uh, you know, the other thing is adding another quality lefty. You know, Chapin's been really good for the Cubs, as you know. Hopefully he continues it. You know, you know the, the thing about relievers, if you watched how we do things, I think we have a clear understanding that sometimes reliever shelf lives don't last forever. They're kind of hot one year, they're kind of cold the next. And uh, as, good as, our, as good as our bullpen has been, it could use some additions. So, you know, getting another lefty to go with Dykeman and still having Turbino with an option of Dykeman at the end of the game really supplements our bullpen. Absolutely. So, you guys heard what he said. I'm not going to lie to you. He saw it in my face, and he smiled when he said it. When he said much better, I said, oh, okay, all right, tell me more. So, obviously, one of the reasons why I did that is because Salim is a Miami Marlins fan, and they just traded Starlin Marte that he just mentioned to the Oakland Athletics for Jesus Lusardo. Now, we've already spoke about how meaningful Jesus Lusardo, that's the word I wanted to look for, Jesus Lusardo is for this franchise here in Oakland, at least so far, what he's been, what he's been, uh, how he's been a part of it, whether it's been Midland, whether it's been Las Vegas and or Oakland at the big league level. Gary, or excuse me, Grady spoke on Jesus as well, and this is what he had to say about him. Tough call. So um, we all know that Lazardo's been our number one prospect for the last few years. Uh, we know you go back to 2019 when he came back on rehab, how things changed. His velocity really jumped up. I mean, I saw him here on his uh, first couple of assignments. He's throwing the ball 95 to 98 miles an hour, which was different than when he got hurt. He was more of a 92 to 95 guy. The angle of his breaking ball looked like it was starting to change from a downer to more of a sweeping pitch. He's always had a quality changeup, uh, but a tick more effort in his delivery. And if you see, obviously the COVID year is not a good year to gauge, but but this year, you know, he had his struggles in the big leagues. Um, he wasn't landing some of the pitches we were hoping he would land. Some of his pitches currently have a different angle. I'm not saying he won't get those angles back, but uh, he had a rough go in the big leagues, and he wasn't overperforming, as you would say here. So not that he wasn't going to eventually come back to Oakland, but that date was unknown. And the bottom line is, if you look at us right now, um, we've given up a lot of our farm system in the last three years to win now. You know, when you have guys like Chapman, Olson, Canna, Murphy, some of the other guys that we have, this is our, this is our now group. And, you know, if we don't win, you know, Chapman and Ole next year, you got, you got to make some serious decisions about what, we, what we're going to do. So uh, when you look at what we did in this trade deadline, this was certainly about win now. So, so much for me to take away from that. Before I even take away anything, I want you guys to know that the U.S. has opened up this third quarter 
on a 9-2 run and now lead Australia 51-45. to Just in case you guys did not know, Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant, and he just knocked down a three as we speak, and the lead is up to nine. And if I'm not going crazy, that may be the U.S.'s first three of the game. I need to go back and check a couple numbers and crunch a couple numbers really quick. But I believe that is their first one of the game. Again, they are up 54-45 to on Australia in the third quarter in the third quarter here in Tokyo. Um all right. So so much that I want to take away from what we just heard from Grady. The first thing is not that he wasn't going to come back up to the big leagues. But as of now that date was unknown. I like the uh, <laughs> like the uncertainty about the future. How he left it off. That was pretty telling. <laughs> and now you're going to my second point. He just named their two all-stars now. Yeah. And said if we don't win now, we got some other decisions to make possibly next year. I don't even want to put myself into the shoes of an Oakland fan right now. It sounds like you guys just told me if we don't win this year, yeah. we're probably going to work to rebuild this farm system. Because we've stripped it over the last three years. You just heard it from him. Yeah. So we'll get into a little bit a little bit more detail shortly. But I did ask him if by any chance, and we know how the sports world is, by any chance did sending Jesus Lusardo home, did that weigh – into their decision-making, considering that they were obviously doing something that they didn't want to do. But was it a thought process? And as you guys could assume, your guess is as good as mine. No, I don't think that came into it. I think the player that we're getting back is always what you're shooting for. But I will say this about Jesus. He's unreplaceable in our minor league system. We have nothing like it. Uh, of his quality, so I wish him well. I think the entire organization wishes him well, but you know, it was just something that uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure without talking to David 18 hours a day that he fought hard to, to not have that in that deal, but on the other end Kim Ng did, so uh, it ended up being a one-player deal, and at, at one point there might have been more players involved, but you know, hopefully Marte does what he does with us, and you know, those bullpen pieces fix themselves. Currently, our rotation's in a good place. It's healthy. Uh, you know, Jeffrey just went out and had a, okay. Thank God we put the five spot up in the third for him. Right. I was a little worried after the first two innings, but um, we'll see where it takes us. Definitely. You, you mentioned something early. So, I only got two more points that I want to bring up from this, from this uh, interview, but in the one that he just mentioned, he said that They don't have a better person in the minor league system in terms of Jesus Lusardo. And the funny thing is, I, I understand how great he's been in terms of pitching. And this goes back to, to high school for Jesus Lusardo. Every story I've told about Jesus Lusardo has nothing to do with baseball. Not a thing. So I felt him when he said that this organization is going to miss him. Like, aside from, like, 
the, the athletics and the, the throwing of the 98 miles an hour, we're going to miss that human more than anything in this, in, in this organization. So I want to go ahead and, and fast forward to two other points. And I had to get his opinion on the city of Oakland voting on a proposed stadium deal yep. that was not approved by the Oakland Athletic. Here's what he had to say. Is a little bit above my head as far as the department, but I think I understand the core of it well enough. It was up to us to finalize and put a final proposal uh, into the city's arms, which we did. We proposed, uh, you know, our owner is, is, is prepared to pay for a $1.2 billion ballpark. He's prepared to pay for uh, around the ballpark uh, a restaurant, uh, uh, all the little nooks and crannies of, 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 of shopping, marketplace, things like that. Um, and then the city was to vote on this. Well, they voted that they want this, but they also voted that they want all these other things. They want more uh, lower income housing. And I don't understand all the, you know, the, the cross the T's and dot the I's to everything. But it's, you know, for all of us, it's still very confusing. You know, people think we've only been at this for a year or two. This thing's been going on for 20 years, you know, trying to secure a location for a ballpark somewhere in Oakland. Remember we went to San Jose, tried to get that done. The Giants put the kibosh on that. We tried to go to Fremont, had a location in Fremont, California. That didn't work out, so now it's all been about... Howard Terminal area. Um, there's a lot of infrastructure that's got to go with it because currently there's no off-ramp to that area. Currently there's no public transportation that, that would go by where the new ballpark would go. So there's just so many confusing factors out there. And Oakland at some point has got to figure out if they can reach a compromise and how bad they want a professional sports team. They've already lost the Raiders and, and the Warriors, and, uh, you know, it's always been uh, it's always been a great sports city, even though it's not one of the bigger cities in the country. Oakland's always, you know, had history when you think about the A's, the Raiders, the Warriors, tons of history there. So, you know, who knows? I wish I had more answers for you on that one, but that, that kind of goes to another level, though. So... I got one more for you. First of all, I just want to say that to say that anybody put the kibosh on anything is hilarious. Yeah, for someone who, <laughs> for someone who started that question out with, yeah, I don't have a lot to say on this. <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and then he proceeded to give us all the details that we were asking about. Exactly. So that's the best kind of interview. I, I'm wondering if, and this is the last thing I'll say before we get into this last topic, and then we'll talk more Olympics. Um. Last thing I need to know about this is he mentioned that the city of Oakland wanted all of these other things. Yeah. My only question with that, when he said one of the things were lower income housing, and I'm sure it was plenty of other things included, do you think by any chance that the city of Oakland were asking for things that they felt that the athletics could not provide, therefore it would prolong them getting their stadium. If you want to tap out, let me know. We'll, we won't even touch it. 
I mean, like, yeah. Like, how? I mean, <laughs> low-income housing, like, for a bit, like, well. I don't know. That's tough, man, because Vegas is uh, ever since Stadium came up, and even a little before that, but especially because of COVID and all that, the housing market's kind of gone crazy that's all over the country though so it's not really absolutely and interesting thing is you mentioned las vegas and that was actually the last question that i asked him because similar to what you just said and similar to what he just said oakland has to come to grips with whether they want a professional team at this point at all yeah but like i told him it appears that the city of las vegas wants another and this is what he had to say about that well you know, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've got 30-plus years with the Oakland A's. And uh, so, you know, I, I bleed green and gold. Even though I left for five years, went to Texas, and another five years in San Diego, I was born and raised with the Oakland A's. So if it takes moving to a city like Las Vegas and the, and the people involved, the people that really are in the know, really believe that this will be a supportive place, for a major league team and things can't get done in Oakland, um, I don't know of a better place to possibly go. I mean, when you think about the options out there, nobody has ballparks either. So, you know, Portland, there's chirp about that, Indianapolis, San Antonio, but, um, you know, Vegas, pretty active place, still West Coast, you know. So yeah, that, there's so much that has to be talked about that. Our owner, would he move the club if it can't? get done in Oakland, uh, will MLB do something with the relocation fees, uh, what's in it for our owner as far as land and opportunity, you know, again, that's, uh, that's for them to figure out up top and other cities. Go. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> um, very candid. Very candid. I like the fact that he gave us the other cities, and now <laughs> shout out to Mister to to Mister Fusan for even giving me that interview. Mister Fusan gave me that candid interview, and I'm gonna say what I believe that Grady could not say. You ready? I think there was a reason that he mentioned that he has 30 years of experience with athletics. I think there was a reason that he mentioned the other places that are possible landing spots for the athletics if they were to move Oakland. I'm sure that these places are all beautiful cities. However, Tyler, if I told you that one of these did not fit, you tell me. Portland, Indianapolis, Las Vegas, and San Antonio. See, I was going to ask if he said San Antonio. It's not like he said San Antonio. He did. Um, it's it's between San Antonio and uh and uh Indianapolis. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go San Antonio. Which one doesn't belong? Yeah. I'm gonna say Vegas doesn't belong in there. Really? I'm gonna say Vegas doesn't belong in there because that's the standout. So, in my opinion, in terms of what Mr. Fusan could not say, is probably actually what he did say. He doesn't know of a better city if 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 the people that are that are of the know that are in the know, I should say, in this city 
like he said, if they can confirm that the people in this city will support a major league baseball team, he can't think of another place to go. So that sounds like the only thing that's hanging them up is that there's so many other things to do in the city here in Las Vegas during summer. That's that's what I heard. We got some time to talk about it, but I will let you guys know that the Aviators will be back to work tomorrow night at Las Vegas Ballpark. I will be there. Come visit me. Um, Salt Lake, the fourth place Salt Lake Bees will be in town for a six-game series. Once again, that starts tomorrow. First pitch is slated for 7.05. You want to explain to the audience really quick that Team USA is just – a completely different second half team. Just, just went on a KD slash Devin Booker <laughs> run right there. <laughs> I don't even know what just happened. Like me and Tyler are literally listening to this interview and watching the game as it's happening. I'm taking my notes as it's happening, and you just said it. This team, even if they do win a gold, I believe at some point some people will point to, to runs like this. If this is what you guys can do, why does it take you guys to get punched in the mouth first? But off of this must have had a hell of a halftime speech, <laughs> even though they were only down like what two half. But you know what's interesting too. I'm gonna give you a scenario. What if Pop didn't say anything? Mm. That's not who he is, though. Is he? I don't know if he'd ever do that. I don't know. I I won't say that he didn't do it with the Spurs. He probably didn't do it now. But with the Spurs, I won't say that he didn't. He hasn't done it or won't do it. But he might mutter a few words that <laughs> and just bounce. Yeah, like just you know, get get it the fuck get, get out of there. Get it the fuck together. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. So, like, what do you want me to say at this point? But in all honesty, I, I will say the reason why I said that is because I met one coach. Shout out to Russ May. Shout out to head coach Russ May over at Cerritos College, and that was our basketball coach. And one of the one of the moments that you kind of just mentioned, a game wasn't going the team's way, and I went ahead and took the opportunity to talk to him. After the game, and the game ended up in favor of Cerritos, and I told him, plain and simple, what did you tell him at halftime? And he laughed and was like, out of all of the times for you to ask me this question, this is the one time you choose it? And I was like, what? Like, did I do something wrong? And he laughed and was like, I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He said, we have enough veterans on this team to where they know what I want. He said, we weren't playing to our potential in the first half. There was nothing that I could say to them. They had to get it together. I don't mm. know of a better halftime speech than that. <laughs> what yeah, do we practice true. for? You that's guys know true. what I want. Mm. What are we talking about? But um, I know you don't watch the Olympics. So for this next <laughs> 20 minutes or so. We're going to slowly get into the Olympics. But it's not all Olympics. You ready? Yeah, go ahead. first one is actually Simone Biles. So, Simone Biles finally got back to competing. Okay. I want to say congratulations to her for overcoming and still continuing to overcome what she's dealing with in terms of mental health. But she competed on the balance beam for the first time in – she walked away with bronze, which is the same medal that she won in Rio. Did you hear what she said afterwards by any chance? Because I know it probably wasn't just on the Olympics. It probably should have been played everywhere. 
um i thought i saw her thank her supporters and everyone who was like with like with her because i know she um she backed out for some mental health stuff and um i know she got a lot of backlash for that which is <laughs> stupid it's like um, are you are you out there doing it like are you walking the are you are you walking the walk these are the same people that call off of work after the fourth of july <laughs> like you are the same people that let's not do that let's not let's not do that but she, in addition to what you just said, you're absolutely right. In addition to that, she also said that she doesn't want the reason why she took her hiatus to go unnoticed. Mm. And I thought that was powerful because she realizes already that her not competing will never be forgotten. Yeah. But it's sad to say that the reason it probably will. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, actually, no, yeah, I agree. Because the reason, you know, the mental health thing, uh, that'll be forgotten. But, like, when her name is brought up, like, I don't think people will remember that. I know, I think people will remember that. Like, oh, yeah, I remember she stepped away. But, like, you're right with the mental health thing. Next time someone does it, it'll be the same amount of backlash. It's like, yo, this this happened before. <laughs> like, why you act like this, this is this, this isn't something where we need to, uh, what's it called, be up in arms about. I agree. Uh, it's a tough ass world, bro. Like, you're allowed to have a day just to <laughs> decompress. Yeah. Or well, I mean, and especially someone on the, like with that platform, like I don't know. Yeah. And it's not a comparable platform. Yeah. Like, there's no way to compare it. Like, even if you go to your small, and I don't even want to, excuse me, I don't want to say small, but your team sports leagues, this gymnastics is a little different. You're out there by yourself. Mm-hmm. Even when you're competing with the team, you yourself, you're by yourself. Those scores are added up together, but you're by yourself. Mm. So... I just think that often goes unnoticed. A um, couple other things that I do want to highlight really quick. U.S. hurdlers Sydney McLaughlin and Delilah Muhammad went numbers one and two. So that means they were gold and silver in the 400 meter, hur- excuse me, the 400 meter hurdles. That is a tongue twister. 400 meter hurdles. Say it. 400 meter. Hur- <laughs> Say it. 400 meter hurdles. <laughs> <laughs> the meter and the 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 R the R's right there with the her and then the er. You don't real you think that that's it until you realize that you're saying four hundred, so it's hundred her ter. Hundred her ter, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> four hundred meter hurdles. Hurdles. Four hundred meter hurdles. Four hundred meter her. <laughs> Not doing it. Can't. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> All right, but uh, I do want to obviously shout out uh, Sydney McLaughlin and Delilah Muhammad. Um, it's pretty unbelievable to, to go through that and that entire training with uh, your country men or women and then not only are you on the podium at the end of it but you're on the podium with one and or more of them it's always a beauty to see we're obviously watching the uh, Team USA men do their thing right now as they came into this quarter down 45 to 42 so they were down 3 and currently they are up 21. This lead was just as large as 23. They're up right now 84 to 63 over 
I almost said your, over the Australian Boomers or the Australian national team, which are also called the Boomers. Um, I do want to highlight really quick that the Team USA women's side also just recently took care of Australia. That took place last night. Came away with the win against Australia. That was in the quarterfinals. That set up a semifinal matchup against Serbia. As I said before, the women's national team is everything that everybody expects the men's national to team take to care be. of business, bro. Um, I don't know what to say aside from literally walking through the competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> literally walking through the competition. They're still uh, their their streak or their pursuit, I should say. Of a seventh straight gold medal. It's still active. It's still active right now. We'll see where it lands. They will take on Serbia tomorrow. Um. All right, Tyler. You ready? Me. We're gonna end this first. You're talking about archery. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's the, I actually did see that. Um. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. 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 Yeah, I did see this one. I think it was on. It was on the background somewhere. I was somewhere, and I was like, "Yo, it was art." Oh, I was at Eggworks. <laughs> and uh, shout it out was, to Eggworks. This yeah, is not an ad. Yeah, Eggworks, man. Um. Oh man, I don't even want to try to like botch any countries or anything like that. So I'm just gonna say, shout out to the. It was the women's archery. Shout out to the. Uh, the gold medal finisher? Yes. Shout out to the gold medal finisher. I believe she was from South Korea. I Okay. I believe she was from South Korea. And just with complete composure, just nailed that shit. I was like, dude. <laughs> I was like, yo, like if shit ever hits the fan, I need some archeries ar- archers. <laughs> archers? Is that what you call them? Is is that are they archers? Archerers? Archers? 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 Four hundred million. <laughs> There's probably an English major listening to this show right now. Like, you guys have Gotta stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we're trying to figure it out, guys. I promise you. Um, journalism is different from English. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's an entirely different language. <laughs> AP style don't teach you archer versus archer at all. <laughs> um, where are we going? Oh, we're going to NBA free agency. So this is where I said you're you're probably gonna have a little fun with this one. My dad's tip in is actually on this. So we're gonna close the first hour with my dad's tip in and start the conversation around his tip in, but. He said he's pretty sure that he touched on this topic before, but he can't help but go back to it in the aftermath of the Lakers' most recent signing frenzy that almost resembles a draft party to me. As a Laker fan, I'm excited. and can't wait to see what this array of NBA stars can do with this team. But I'm also hoping it eventually moves as it, or yeah, I'm also hoping it eventually moves as a well-oiled machine. But that remains to be seen. My point tonight, once again, is that I'm used to used to the old school, where all the stars wanted to beat the other stars. Magic, Bird, Isaiah, Hakeem, Jordan. Didn't need a redeemed team to get a ring. We most definitely know that a star player is, needs his supporting cast to get the job done. And the players that I previously named demanded that their teammates stand up and step to the challenge. Unfortunately, I will always feel... Or excuse me, unfortunately, I feel that this will always hamper LeBron when it comes to who is the greatest because of the fact that simply, instead of putting teams on his back and saying, let's go, he has to have a star-studded all-star team to get the job done. Regardless, let's go, Lakers. (laughs) Hero. Your dad is a hero. Dude, I want to actually have your dad on the show. Let's do it, man. Um, He's out in California? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm trying to get him down here. We'll see if it'll work. Like before the football season, I, I, I just wanna, I, I wanna, 
I want to pick his brain on the Cowboys. <laughs> Why do you want to do that to him? I, no, like I'm not even gonna roast him because, like, honestly, like I think Dallas is super intriguing and like I don't know, but I mean, besides the fact, I love that fucking point though, man. Um, <laughs> I'll give it. you the I'll give you the, the floor for the for this the rest of this first hour. We're obviously gonna come back to free agent talk, so have at it. I know you got some 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 feelings about the Lakers and a former star of yours, so go ahead and let well, me I, let him have it. I won't even say like I, I'll, you know I'll just talk about ring chasing in general, man. Like it, the, it it's it's almost sad, right? Depends on the level of the player, I think. Yeah, I don't know, man. Just like it's. I'm like, not mad at Melo ring chasing, for instance. No, because he was out of the league for a little bit, so like he don't. Yeah, know and he was, again. and he was blackballed almost. And so, that's why I say with Russ, I'm not like I'm not too mad at the move. Um, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, that space he's never going to work, bro. It, <laughs> it'll work. Like it, it, it's Russell Westbrook. He, I mean, come playoff time, um. You know, Russ isn't there hasn't been the greatest playoff performer, but um, I mean, who gives a shit? I mean, you're playing with, playing with two top seven, eight. Actually, no, my bad. Two top twelve. Anthony Davis is not a top ten player in the NBA anymore. Don't say that. He's not. Don't say that. He's not. Um, but no, man. I don't know. It just seems like it was just a race, like an arms race between Brooklyn, the Lakers, and Miami. I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. Um. Like, the Bucks couldn't even land nobody, and they just won a championship. The Suns couldn't even get – I mean, the Suns just re-signed their own. But, like, I was like, damn. Like, they couldn't – I don't know, man. It just didn't – it was weird. Like, and this is – it's happened before, but this year it was just glaring, mm-hmm. I feel like. This year it just felt glaring. Like, all the – you know, every notification, every, oh, this guy's going on Miami. Oh, this guy's – uh well, uh, he had interest in, you know, all these other teams. No, Miami. Oh, no, Brooklyn. Oh, it's like, damn. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I feel like – I just think – uh, my bad. Keep no, going. no, you're good. No, have at it. I just want to say it real quick. I just think it, c- it comes from this constant pressure of winning a ring or else you're – some bullshit about legacy, man. Just I mean, Reggie Miller mentioned it – I don't think he did it today. I think he might have said it yesterday. But Reggie said that the same people that are complaining about stars teaming up to be – to create super, super teams – are the same players that ridicule, or the same fans, excuse me, that ridicule players for not having rings. Mm. That's, I mean, that's true too. Uh, that's true. But just, it's, it's just artificial, man. If Carmelo Anthony retired today, people will say he never won a ring, no matter what you say. And then if he does win a ring this year, they're going to say, oh, he had to go join a LeBron led team. So Melo's already not going to win if he wins a ring. Same thing with Russell Westbrook. I, I don't know what like I mean I see I I agree but I think people are coming around kind of to where like all right this is ridiculous bro like y'all got to just compete what what are we doing here who de- who determines though because I think regardless of the fact we just saw you just saw you you mentioned Brooklyn as well Brooklyn did what they did the Lakers uh are doing what they're doing now but regardless of the fact you just mentioned it we saw Milwaukee do what they did now, granted, aside from Kevin Durant's one shot, literally, if he takes two inches back on that shot, mm-hmm. they're probably not even there, and maybe Brooklyn is hoisting a title, but it didn't happen. Yeah. Then uh, to answer your question, who determines it? I think it's like guys like Giannis, absolutely. Guys like Dame. Um, guys like Bradley Beal. Yeah, guys like Bradley Beal, where it's like it's more, you know, community. It's more doing it th- like 
not having to team up and just kind of like your like your dad said, you know, like putting the team on your back, because all three of them have shouldered that shouldered that weight, and, and they, they take it upon themselves. They want it. Yeah, they they. It's not a matter of I need help. It's a matter of I I just gotta be better. Like I got I gotta I gotta do this myself. I love when they asked Giannis a couple of years ago. And I think this is when Kobe was was uh, obviously working out with him, and they uh, highlighted that <laughs> I'm not even sure how to how to go about it, but they made it a point to mention. That Giannis doesn't work out with other players, with other like superstars in the league, and I promise you, I sat there for close to ten, maybe I'm not even gonna say fifteen. Let's say ten to twelve minutes, and I tried to figure out why that was needed. Because it's just unheard of. That's you know, like to the media and to fans, it's like you know the whole it's the whole AAU theory, right? Like yeah, that's what it is. But see, Giannis doesn't come from that. Exactly. Neither Giannis is like, I don't know what this is. And neither does Luca. That's why I think Luca is. I think he'll kind of follow a Giannis path where it's like, no, nah, I don't need all these dudes coming here. Like, fuck that. I just need one. Yeah. Give me one solid one. And I've said it before. Just come out. Yeah. I don't know it, who goes do where. But Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic are going to be on the same team one day. And when that happens. <laughs> We're going to have to figure out what else is going to happen with the rest of the league. Maybe. I don't know. Jokic is different because Jokic don't be saying much like that. I mean, Giannis doesn't say much either, but Giannis, you can tell, like, it, it, there's the competitive spirit to him. I don't know about Jokic. I don't know what – I don't hear nothing. That's why I kind of like those kind of guys where it's like when the season ends, it's like, all right, I'll catch you guys next year. I ain't, you won't fucking hear, see – yeah, <laughs> not Just active on social MVP media. And he's not even like – Yeah, Jokic's <laughs> like, all right, deuces. I'll see you guys in a few months, but – <laughs> He's probably over there on Jamal's phone. Like, is everything good? Are yeah. you good? Are you sure that everything's solid? <laughs> um, but we'll we'll probably end this first hour now and and wrap up this uh, Team USA game. It's ninety three to seventy two as we speak. It's about a minute and a half left in regulation. As you guys can obviously tell, Team USA will be moving on to the gold medal game, like most people anticipated. However, I'm sure they didn't anticipate the road will look like this. But uh, hour number two of Talk That Talk. We will be breaking down the NBA free agency. And then lastly, we got football tomorrow, man. We got football that starts tomorrow. Dad, I know you're excited. I don't know what it looks like tomorrow, but hopefully me and Tyler can give you a little bit of a glimpse (laughs) into what we're going to see tomorrow. Until then, guys, stay with us. But they're going to be a really, really bad offensive team. Talk That Talk radio show records twice weekly from the beautiful Westgate, Las Vegas Resort and Casino. From the largest Superbook in the world for over 50 years. This hotel was the largest in the world for over a decade. If you guys want to be a part of this illustrious Westgate history, please come visit us at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Once again, that address is 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Uh, Tyler, really quick. Uh, Miami and Golden State, they're re-showing this from earlier, but the California Classic, which is Summer League, that tipped off in uh, Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Now, I, <laughs> I'm going to say one thing, and I'm getting out of here, I promise. I find it very interesting in covering Summer League the past couple of years the way that we have. 
did you see how fluid that first play from Golden State was to open the game? Whether it came away with points or not? No, was that the Kaminga layup? No, no, no. I just meant literally just watch the screen oh, and just God. watch both teams. Oh, well, oh, it's right there. The yeah. Um, just watch both teams because the game literally started 26 seconds ago, and you're going to see some of the most crisp passing and some of the most cr- – I'm going to say during this first quarter. All of these players are going to realize that I got to go get mine. <laughs> I got to go get it. I'm going to go do this and hopefully <laughs> give me a contract on the back end of this. But we will see uh, some more summer league that starts here on Sunday here in Las Vegas. I'm trying to figure out with Salim throughout the week if we're going to have a show considering that summer league is starting and it's new and it's the first day and we'll see how how everything goes. Uh, But just to give you guys an update, Team USA did complete the comeback once again. They came back from 11, excuse me, from 11 down to Spain. Come back from 15 and 9, I guess I would say today, Uh, in terms of Japan, because they are – Midday, I believe, in Tokyo right now, but they did come away with a 97 to 78 win over, excuse me, over Australia. I don't know what's going on with this water, but you want to give us anything on Team USA really quick before we move on to some other basketball news? Um, <laughs> just say nah. Just he said nah. He said I was trying to think of something, but he said nah. But I'll be honest, um, you mentioned it earlier. Even if this team wins gold, you feel like it's still going to be, eh. I mean, yeah, it's just whatever. You know, it's like, all right. I mean, it's, a, it's an accomplishment for sure, but. I was about to say, I guess at the end of the day, Melo's not there, so it don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Melo. Let's talk about Melo right now, then. Let's do it. Let's get to it. <laughs> Melo. I'm playing, by the way. It's it's a, it's an awesome accomplishment, man. <laughs> Good for gold medal. Playing about Melo, I'm gonna say what? <laughs> Let's talk about Melo really quick. <clears throat> Melo is one of those people that will be joining the Lakers next season. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I can say this season now, right? Summer league starts. Um, this season, and what do we expect Melo's role to be? Let's just start there. Um. Bucket getter off the bench. Um, certain games might be a closer depending on matchup and how hot he is off the bench. Um, probably going to be along with Russ, and if I had to guess, probably Ken Bazemore. The three of them are probably going to catch the most slander and be the three big scapegoats because every LeBron team has like three or four scapegoats not named LeBron. Wait, so pick pick your number one again because I have my number one. Russ, by far. When, if things go south, Laker fans will be like, dude, Westbrook sucks. Oh, my God. Let's be Dwight Howard all over again, 2013. But I hate to say it, but I think my answer is not as big of a name because I think they're still going to respect Russ for what Russ is, and Melo just has a fan base inside of this world. <clears throat> Excuse me. I heard somebody tell me today that the Lakers signed somebody that shoots 40% from three, and you probably already know where I'm at. And I said, yeah, that's great. But he shot 40% from three in Charlotte. 
I wanted Malik Monk, man. And that's the first thing I said. I said, I just hope that Malik Monk is ready to be the new Kyle Kuzma. Ooh. Doesn't matter how great he does. If he goes three for eight, if he has a regular shooting night as a shooter, he's going to be the worst player on the roster, according to Laker Twitter. Okay, I have a hot take. Oh, Davis is going to get all this shit. You know why? <laughs> he might. He might. He might. So the way this roster is constructed, it, it's a lot of, um, you know, interesting bruisers <laughs> and uh, a lot of mid-range and a lot of elbow just fling it up there. And so when they're struggling to get a bucket and instead of power, instead of pounding it inside and Davis, and I've seen Laker fans kind of get on him about it. And as a Pelican fan, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, saying it. like when he decides you know, they need a bucket and they're not pounding inside against a smaller center, like someone like Vucevic or something. And Davis is taking fade away, like 17 footers. We're going to see that a lot this year, <laughs> by the way. Because Mr. Street Clothes, he ain't like that for 82 games. I'll tell you right now. Why I'm, talk, I'm, talk, so I'm talking. Angry quiet. As a Pelican fan right I'm talking quiet. I'm not. I'm not talking as a Pelican fan. I'm just talking as basketball. Okay. Okay. I'm talking quiet. Okay, but it's, like it's gonna it. happen. I like it. <laughs> no, nah, I like it. it. It's a change of speed. It's a change of tone. It's a change of pace. I like it all. All right, but let's let's get to the elephant in the room. Carmelo obviously joined a, a new host that went to the yeah, Lakers. Yes, Melo. Let's go, Melo. Um, I'm happy that Melo is a Laker because we have been waiting, and I say we, being meaning us from LA, especially if we are, if you're from LA and you're a Carmelo fan. I've wanted Melo to go to, to the Lakers for the longest simply so Melo could do what he did on his Twitter, where he could turn the seven to the Lakers. Yeah, upside down. Like, bro, what do you mean? You should have been a Laker four years ago just to do that. Like, for nothing else, you shouldn't have been a Laker for that. But let's talk about probably the biggest name that the Lakers brought in, I definitely would say, and you just mentioned, and that's Russell Westbrook. Uh, traded from Washington. Here's where I want to start. How do we feel about Russell Westbrook calling Kawhi Leonard in 2019 to team up in L.A. on the Clippers? Two-part question. Second part of that, how did Russell Westbrook feel when Kawhi obviously said no without saying no and then took his number two? <laughs> um. I think Kawhi was like, yeah, I'm done with the L.A. part. I mean, I'll be there. I don't know if you will. but <laughs> Like, right? I think that, I mean, come on. Um, like, I'll be there. I don't know if you will. Uh... <laughs> hey, okay, so this, this is all I can think of. This is all I can think of. And I can't picture this happening either way. But, well, actually, I can picture this happening one way, but I don't know how Russ responds. We've seen that video of Kawhi probably being locked into the game pregame when Norm Powell tried to dab him up. He just pointed forward. Can you imagine if Russell Westbrook was like L.A. L.A. next year, and Kawhi just looked at him like, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> "All right, let's let's." This is somewhat of the elephant in the room. I think Kendrick Perkins um, may have highlighted it, uh, and if it's not Kendrick Perkins, I apologize for it. Um, somebody mentioned that Kawhi Leonard is. Essentially everything that LeBron is and possibly more in terms of running a franchise and and 
some people will call them underhanded moves behind the back, behind certain teams and or players back. But he doesn't get half of the attention for it because of his demeanor. Do you think that that's true? No, just because I I haven't seen the Kawhi um, GM like I've seen like LeBron GM. I haven't seen that for this for as long as a duration. Nor have I seen it in such a blatant manner as LeBron. Like the <laughs> for the uh, like the twenty eighteen Cavs, right. where oh dude, I was like. Let me give you pushback on two of those points really quick. I was trying not to cut you off. For the first thing, you said you haven't seen it for as long. I think that kind of coincides with my point in terms of saying, is he worse than LeBron? Because this goes on to my second point which, uh, with what you said. You said you hadn't seen it to like probably to LeBron's degree. Possibly. But similar to what you just said, when you saw, you had the same reaction that I had. Because I think we all probably hit the group chat around the same time. When Kawhi signed with the Clippers, none of us were shocked. Oh, I was. Because I, I was full on, like, I was already devastated because like, we lost. You should have listened. I was expecting the worst, bro. I was like, he's going to join the Lakers and the NBA is just like. Well, you knew gonna, he was going to L.A. Nothing's going to change. I was but like, you knew he was going to L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it shouldn't have shocked you. But the Paul George trade shocked all of us. Nobody was expecting that. Oh, yeah. That, that was like a. Dude, Isn't that uh, part of what I'm saying? Well, no, for sure. That's Kawhi definitely, like, putting on his GM glasses and, like, all right. I'll he wanted him, Rondo. Man. He got him. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, LeBron. <laughs> I guess I don't know, it's not like, a comparison, right? Like, LeBron. It, it, it's tough because I feel like Kawhi. Because, like, we didn't see that in Toronto, though. There, I mean, there really weren't, like, any demands like that, well, right? Well, he was only staying there for a year anyway. Because, <laughs> like, you could say the same thing about Kevin Durant. Because Kevin Durant, he's just as bad as LeBron, right? If not worse with the way. I don't know. And this is the funny part. I mean, they, like, I, I don't think that one person can have both arguments about Kevin Durant and say that he left Golden State or left uh, – Oklahoma City to go to Golden State because he wanted the ring chase, and then also say that he's that he the ring chase is LeBron style in terms of building super teams. Because while we have one example of that clearly in Brooklyn, I will say that for what is that thirteen years, twelve years of KD's career, I didn't see it. And the funny thing is with Golden State, I told you guys I didn't have a problem with him joining Golden State. I had a problem that it was I did. Golden State that <laughs> beat him. Like, yeah. obviously, right? But my whole thing was, like I said before, it was back-to-back games at the very least where Andre Roberson was left open in the corner for a reason. You hit him back-to-back games. At some point, you have to take that shot and just live with, the re- live with it, like, regardless. Like, I t- for whatever it's worth, I, if I recall correctly, Michael Jordan shot in 89 against Cleveland. That was over two people, correct? It was Craig Elo in front of him, but I believe it was two people. If you look at Kobe's shot against um, the Phoenix Suns, Tim Hardaway, or excuse me, uh, Rajah Bell was in front of him, but Tim Thomas was right there. Mm-hmm. Some of the greatest shots that we've ever seen in history have happened over two players. Kawhi's. That was over Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Yeah. That was both. Yeah. So 
so um to be honest with you at this point I'm uh <laughs> so I'm wondering more so if anybody is going to call out Kawhi more so for it cuz I mean granted you mentioned Kevin Durant but Kevin Durant in my opinion you may have some stories about him, or not you, but players may have some stories about him. I'm going to be honest with you, man. We've heard some crazy things about LeBron. I don't think we've heard anything like this. I'm not going to say what's worse, but for a superstar, and I'm sure it happens all the time, for a superstar to come out and say that they want to team up, and I think the funny part is, the reason why I think I'm making such a big deal out of this is because we don't know the way Kawhi said no. And I think that's why I'm running with this so much, because I think Kawhi's no was just a non-response. That's my personal opinion. And I think that's why I'm making it worse in my head. And maybe this could be me just with reporter brain. What I believe, I have never spoken to Kawhi Leonard. Never been in a room with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, man. Not many people have. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. So, um, last topic, or last topic, I guess, for the Lakers. Let's go ahead and round out the the entire um, returning group, I should say. You obviously bring over Melo and Russ. But in addition to that, you bring over Kent Bazemore. You bring back Dwight Howard for his third stint in L.A. You bring back Wayne Ellington, and you bring back Westchester product, Trevor Ariza. Trev, what's the deal? Um... Trevor Ariza is such a solid human. It's ridiculous. And I don't know if it's because me and Trevor went to the same high school. But in the conversations that I've had with him, I'm trying to figure out how to go about this the right way. Trevor has loved, obviously, everywhere that he's played, and and he's obviously loved his, his journey, I should say. You're from L.A. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. When you're from L.A., you have certain ties to L.A. And Trevor Ariza is one of those names that I will just forever say that it will always and forever be good in L.A. So I say all of that to say it has become a, a – I don't want to say a, a consistent conversation, but it has become a conversation among some of us who – uh, know Trevor a little bit. Trevor's different when he's in L.A. How so? Just like, because he's back home and he's more... Could be different things. I've seen Trevor play differently in L.A. with the Houston Rockets. And I've seen Trevor play differently in L.A. when he was obviously winning championships in L.A. And... I mean... The, the obvious answer here, and I guess the easiest answer here, I'm not going to say whether it's true or not, he probably would give, you, give us the obvious answer. But those four players that I just mentioned all have one thing in common aside from the fact that they played with the Lakers. All four of those aforementioned players, with the exception of Carmelo Anthony and Russell Westbrook, all played with Kobe Bryant. And it's not like, you know, 
right, even though Russ and uh, Melo didn't play with Kobe, they got a, their fair share of Kobe over the years. Whether it's All Star teams, whether it's Team USA, whether we play with Kobe, just going head to head. Right. We 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 have our experiences with Kobe. Um, yeah, and then I mean, even if you want to talk about Russell Westbrook and Carmelo, Kobe Bryant has is, is on record saying that the player that reminds him most of him is Russell Westbrook because he just plays so angry or mean, I believe was the word. Uh, And then Carmelo Anthony, we can obviously continue to go back to that. Kobe has been very, very open about how difficult it was to guard Melo, about how fast Melo was. And then the fact that Melo likes to back you down and you realize, oh, you're a tank. Like, so you're doing that on the perimeter. Full ass bull. And you're 240? Mm-hmm. How the hell does that work? Um, But let's talk about the other uh, team that kind of created one of the biggest splashes. We're actually watching their summer league team as we speak. And that's the Miami Heat. Uh, For the second straight year, a team has added P.J. Tucker. And we're going to talk about it come postseason time. <laughs> I'm not even mentioning Kyle Lowry first. Because P.J. Tucker, Champ Tucker, Champ P.J., Champ Shoe King, whatever you want to call him. <sighs> Dare I say that that may be the biggest move for Miami? P.J. Tucker? Nah, not a chance. Why? Tell me why. Kyle Lowry. Because I have an answer for you. It's Kyle no, Lowry. why is it not P.J., though? Because it's Kyle Lowry? Because they have, like, four other guys who do. And P.J. is great at what he does. But they have four guys who kind of do what P.J. does. Jimmy. Uh, Meaning. Okay, go ahead. Continue. There's two. Or maybe not four. That's a little excessive. But um, Trevor's gone now. They still got Iguodala. No, he's a free agent. Oh, uh, so Iggy's gone. Trey is, or Trevor's gone. But like, okay, so here's my thing. I think it's just I'm gonna give you one reason why I think that he that he's the better pick. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you don't want to you don't want to state your point first? Well, I'm just I mean just them getting a floor general with championship experience and I mean it helps. PJ Tucker, he has that too, right? Um. But just a floor general, and when it was clear that, like, Butler was kind of gassed toward the playoffs because Butler was their floor general. Absolutely. And having another one of, like, someone who can take that load off of him and also create looks for Bam, which I think is something they struggled with, mm-hmm. um, that is just massive, in my opinion. Kyle Lowry is going to be amazing fitting in here, and I also have highlighted the way that Miami runs their team in terms of health and and whether it's body fat and just anything Kyle Lowry we're probably going to see the best Kyle Lowry we've seen in quite some time so I do not deny that the reason why I'm going to mention PJ Tucker regardless of age you ready for it it's the obvious reason is for defense but it's not because now granted he was defending KD when KD dropped 48 <laughs> in game seven against Milwaukee Here's the point. First of all, I want you guys to realize with the defense that P.J. Tucker played, if Kevin Durant scored 48 against him, that would have been 70 easily against anybody else. Mm-hmm. Easily. Yeah. That's I, – I watched Drew Holiday play great defense against Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant rise over him. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, I'm mentioning P.J. Tucker for one reason and one reason only. Aside from the defense that he's going to play, if he's playing that defense, guess who isn't? Jimmy Butler. Bingo. That's fair. Jimmy no longer has to be your primary defender. Jimmy's going to want to be your primary defender, but now you get to tell Jimmy no. But, see, they had that last year, though, with Iguodala and Ariza. They've had guys Mm. where – now, they're not on Tucker's level. 
I mean, he was well, Trevor, the, with all due respect to Trevor, I mentioned it before. Trevor was holding out with OKC. When he went to Miami, I was like, I love this for you guys. But Miami plays one way. Trevor hasn't played this year. Are we sure we're going to just drop Trevor into a playoff-ready team and say, run with us? I mean, that's kind of what they that's did. That's exactly <laughs> what they did. So I'm, I'm taking what I saw from Trevor Ariza with a grain of salt. And in terms of Andre Iguodala, we talked about it kind of throughout the year as well. You can't play Iggy for 18 games here, maybe DMP, DMP here, and then a postseason rolls around and you want him to play 33 minutes. It just, it's not – what do you want him to do? This isn't – these legs aren't the same anymore. These aren't the NBA Finals legs that were well, – well, that was winning him Finals MVP in 2015. It's just not the same. Now, P.J. Tucker, granted, is 36, but as I said before, he's coming off of a championship season. He's coming off of a season where during that championship run, you look at the teams that he had to face and the players that he had to face, whether it's KD, whether it's Trey Young, whether it's whatever the case may be. He's getting switched into a lot of these positions. So I just think it, it's better for Miami only because, like you said, with Jimmy Butler being the ball handler and the, uh, uh, being a primary ball handler at the end of games, he's probably still going to be that. Kyle Lowry, they'll split it. I think they'll split it only because I think Jimmy is too great of a player, and I'm not saying Kyle Lowry isn't. But you still want your star to have the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would also think that it's a little easier for Jimmy Butler to penetrate into the lane and kick out to Kyle Lowry as opposed to the opposite way around. I think you would want Kyle Lowry shooting that corner three more than Jimmy. Mm-hmm. But whatever. I could be wrong. In addition to that, they keep Victor Oladipo. Talk to me about what Miami looks like now. Oh, and they signed Markeith Morris. Talk to me about what the, what the, what the Miami they, Heat look like now. I forgot what they, I forgot they got Markeith. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Salim, you're missing one. I know. I wish Salim were here. Uh, they're gonna be some tough motherfuckers, man. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna play tough. They're gonna hit you and, like push you around. Um, I mean, if I'm Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, I'm kind of feel great because like all my jumpers are gonna be like trying to like getting getting those screens from those guys is gonna be wonderful. Absolutely. It's not like a lot of gu- it's not like a lot of other opposing guards who are chasing me on defense. They're not going to want to run into Markeith Morris. They're not going to want to run into Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, these guys that just physical, um, that have upper body strength of like just <laughs> like full on bulls, dude. Like no one's going to run run into that. <laughs> so um, I think Robinson uh, and Hero, I, they're going to benefit a lot from it. Um, I think Robinson will benefit actually the most probably mm-hmm. because um, no offense to Kendrick Nunn, but I don't know if he was. Uh, I think he's kind of still finding himself, and I'm not sure if he's a true point guard rather than a combo guard. I think Kyle Lowry will um, do wonders for the new, newly paid and uh, pretty hefty paycheck to um, Mr. Robinson. Um, yeah, I like it. Uh, the Oladipo thing, I'm, I, I've, I'm kind of, I've been harsh on Oladipo in the past. I think it was kind of a one-trick pony, one, one shot, big one season. Um, he was great mm-hmm. in Indiana that year, but. I think the injuries have just caught up to him, but um, I thought he was actually. What I heard, I thought he was really going to go to uh, Indiana, or no, Indiana, uh, Milwaukee. Okay. I was I was hearing some stuff on Milwaukee, and I, was I like, heard a lot about it. LA, but that's obvious. That's <laughs> 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 obvious. Shit, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's also interesting. Um, not sure how much playing time he'll get. Hmm. Um, 
I mean, he'll they'll make room. They'll he'll play, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of crowded, so uh, they'll be here's tough. The, man. Here's the thing: even with Miami, I I I'm this close from saying that they're the team to beat in the East. Even still, reason why I'm, I refuse to say it is because as of now, their backup point guard, unless you're going to go with Gabe Vincent, is Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero was learning how to play the point guard last year. And then you guys go out and get Kyle Lowry. So I think you guys got your answer in terms of Tyler Hero running the point guard. So Yeah, he shouldn't be the point guard. My point exactly. So with that said, that's one thing that you need. You need a backup point guard who's probably just a, just a competent point guard who's – you don't need him to go out and get you 15 points every single game. However, they do need another big man. I think they re-signed Dwayne Dedman. They did. Now, maybe I shouldn't say big man then because what I mean by big man, and I want to say stretch four. The reason why is because P.J. Tucker, I just mentioned he's 36 years old. Coming off of a championship season, you probably want to curb his minutes as as much as possible during the early part of the season. Um, But no disrespect to this player because I'm high on both of these brothers but markeith morris he's gonna shoot the three better than pj tucker no absolutely so one thing that you just mentioned and this is why i love having conversations with just sports minds one of the biggest people that's going to benefit that's going to benefit from these moves you just mentioned is duncan robinson so now i'm thinking about all of his screens off of the four man yeah so obviously you're gonna have to determine whether you're switching or not whether you're hard hedging whether you're not hedging at all whatever the case may be Duncan Robinson has one of the quicker releases. So I think a lot of people are going to go with him. Therefore, that person said in the screen, you're going to have to knock down your shots. And another thing is, Morris isn't that great of a cutter, but if, say, you have Butler setting the screen or you have, um, let's say, uh, Bam or even, um, we just literally mentioned his name. I'm tripping. PJ Tucker. PJ. They're all solid cutters, if not great cutters, right? Slashers to the basket. So – like you said, if they two chase over the screen or they're one that's kind of like a smaller guy gets switched on, Tucker and Butler, they'll just bully their way and kind of bam, too. Just like, all right, get out of my way. And then you have a cut to the basket, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, interesting options. Um, yeah, man, it's they're going to be tough. I don't know if I'm ready to say that they're uh, the favorites. I'm not there yet. I have them third behind uh, Brooklyn and um, Milwaukee. Um, you could probably convince me that they will go over Milwaukee. I said they were the team to beat in the East, and I completely forgot that the Brooklyn Nets existed. <laughs> <laughs> Second team <laughs> to beat in the East, possibly. Let me say that. Um, Bobby Portis stays in Milwaukee, so that's obviously a win for them. They lose P.J. Tucker, yeah, but they keep Bobby job. Portis. A um, couple other teams I want to mention really quick. Two of them, I'll get it in and out really quick, and then this last one, you have a point to mention, and then we'll go to some NFL talk. Uh Kobe White, hold your head, <laughs> hold your head, because they're going to need you to be instant offense off the bench for what I believe will be a very, very good team in the East. And that's because we need to have this conversation as well. Zach Levine is a really, really liked guy in the league, and this free agency proves it. Bigger than what he does on the court, Zach Levine is liked mm-hmm. across the league. So they go out and they add Lonzo Ball, and 
when I mentioned Victor Oladipo going to L.A., there were some other places that I, I pictured him going because DeMar DeRozan pretty much all but put on a Laker jersey. Let that everybody shocked, know. Man. That was shocked. I thought I thought he was going to the Clippers. I thought that was a done deal. I thought at some point, if once the Lakers made some of their moves, I was like, well, he's just going to L.A. at this point, right? But uh, money talks, man. Three for 90. I guess who would be in Chicago as well. <laughs> Guess who would be in Chicago right next to Lonzo? Like, so what we what we eating tonight? Um, so you have a starting, and see, I know this isn't a front court, but the NBA has changed so much now. Where you look at a three guard lineup, essentially, and you have Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, and you have Demar Derozan, who, as I said before, when he was in San Antonio, played the four at times. Mm-hmm. It was a starting four for him last year. Yes. <laughs> Keldon Johnson, shout out to you. Um, when I look back at DeMar in Toronto, and I've seen how DeMar can take over games when necessary. DeMar can go out and get you 40 if you need him to. You couple that with Lonzo Ball, who has improved as a shooter, and you would obviously be able to speak to it in, in a couple of different ways, but wants to pass the ball. And then you have a superstar, or star, and potentially a superstar, in Zach Levine. All I'm going to say is Chicago lookout, and then the last thing I'm going to mention, of course, are the Knicks. I'm going to mention some names that they kept. They kept Derrick Rose. They kept Alec Burks. They kept Nerlens Noel. They did lose Reggie Bullock, but they did add Kimba Walker. Cardiac Kimba is returning into MSG. And Evan Fournier is another person that they added both from Boston. Um, in the same, this is probably not good for New York fans, but in the same breath, I'm also going to mention that the Hawks <laughs> retained Trey Young, obviously, and returned John Collins. I want to, uh, real quick on John Collins. Yep. The fact that he still got 125 yep. is amazing. When the, you look at the way that the market was set for him, because mm-hmm. really it was, like, he had Atlanta kind of, by the nuts he's like all right well actually wait hold on no okay so the yeah kind of it's this is weird because kind of did there was no market for john collins and he still got the money he demanded uh we can give you like 20 to 30 million less like bro like you're like you know the mark there's no market for you the spurs just spent all their money the timberwolves don't have money even though they want you it's not gonna ha- like Oklahoma City's not gonna go out and throw you a bag. They have money. They're not. Why would they? They're not, they're not gonna do that though. I'm gonna give you one name or one team, just off the cuff, that I thought about in terms of if that was to happen and if they were to go out and try to make that deal in terms of John Collins. You just mentioned this team and you said they're probably gonna trade one of these two players. I think that trade happens a little bit earlier and maybe some other pieces are added. I think Utah would have went after a person like John Collins. Oh, that's interesting. But, see, they are super strapped to the cap. Absolutely. And Atlanta, That's why I say some moves would have to be made. Exactly. And Atlanta, they can't take money back. The only reason they were able – I think we're able to re-sign uh, Collins because of the bird rights, and they're allowed, they can dip into the luxury tax with it. Absolutely. Um, Which is another another thing, too, and I think this kind of trumps everything. Trey wanted them there. That, and if <laughs> Collins didn't have the playoff – like, if Collins didn't have the playoffs he did, he wouldn't even – he wouldn't be in a Hawks uniform going next year. He'd – He'd be long gone. He'd be in Minnesota. Or well, I don't want to say it like that, but he may have been in a Hawks uniform, but it may have been not by choice for the Hawks. Um, 
if he would have had a bad one, and I, I was on record, even with as cool as John Collins has been to me in the past, I was on record saying that John Collins couldn't play defense against Julius Randle in the postseason the way he did in the regular season. And he didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> that in itself earned himself some money. So shout out to John Collins for doing that. Um, oh, and the last point that you're actually going to uh, talk about, I have one thing to say about this, and that's the possibility of the Boston Celtics toying with the idea of bringing back Isaiah Thomas. All I'm going to say, if that is the case, this is going to be one of the biggest indictments on Danny Ainge's career because that would simply mean that Brad Stevens never wanted him gone. And I'm going to leave it there. I'll add on to that. Um, yeah, I was kind of going that direction. Um, so first I'll s- well, <laughs> this is like the tough part about sports is that's a trade you make 10 times out of 10, right? Even though at the time, and it's just, it's, it's because it's Boston. They got a ton of shit for it. Like, oh, he did, they did his ass dirty. I'm sorry. Your favorite team would have done the exact same fucking thing. Um, but here's my point. Um, yeah, I think Brad wants to bring him back because I think the way that Boston kind of struck out in this free agency there's kind of there needs to be some damage control done and i think brad trying to bring back one of the franchise most important players because thomas was the bridge between the garnett and pierce big three era to really like the the heart of those celtics teams and for a second like it looked they had a good thing going um the Kyrie thing didn't work out even though that was a terrific team on paper so I think Brad is just – I think Brad wants to bring Thomas back and kind of help restore Boston's image and going forward because if he's going to be the GM for the next five, ten years, they got to be a free agent destination. They were. They got some incredible names, but just the way that that whole – that whole just concept just shifted away from – free agents to where they couldn't even let I mean their only free agent signing was Ennis Cantor mm-hmm. and th- I mean that's probably more because he played there and he actually was pretty decent for him right and he's still a good player just sucks on defense but <laughs> <laughs> um so I think bringing Thomas back along with the fact that Thomas like he'll, he'll never have to buy a beer in Boston right. ever again so you bring someone like him back and you pr- he needs to get minutes too because if he's not he, you can't just have him out there as a cheerleader because that's and we've seen teams do it before yeah guys will catch on to that we've seen Denver do it we've seen uh the Pelicans do it he played a little bit but yeah and it was more toward the end yeah. <laughs> once you once you already knew what you what you had out of your out of the rest of your roster our guards were injured though I'll say that like IT was needed like we we were hurt down bad Almost as damn bad as uh, the Indianapolis Colts right now. Let's start to switch to shift this conversation over a little bit to football. We got 23 minutes left in the show, so we're going to try to keep it as punctual as possible with these handful of topics that we have. The Colts are down bad, and you already knew one thing when you looked at the show notes and you mentioned Carson Wentz, but you looked at me and said, what happened to Quentin Nelson? And I felt weird telling you this is going to seem like deja vu. But he's having the exact same surgery as Carson Wentz. So they step on each other's foot. Like the uh, fuck happened? What happened? And if so, 
if I'm and I know people like to panic and be like, oh, well, that's not what it came from or that's not what it's from or you're overreacting. Call it what you want. I'm having that practice field strip. Uh, okay. Also, Nelson's a bigger loss than Wentz. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Now let's get to the elephant in the room. Like now, the elephant in the room would be obviously Carson Wentz. May we may have seen Carson Wentz most healthy years, and that's saying something because he was pretty dynamic in his first two years, year and a half, you could even say. And then he hasn't been able to write the ship since then. But you just said it for quite some time. It seemed as if the Colts were going to. They brought in Brett Hundley. They have Jacob Eason. They lost Jacoby Brissett. Oh, they're kicking themselves. So I would have just hung on to Brissett and not ever made a move for Wentz. Mm. Wentz is damaged goods, man. Uh, he I mean, he was incredible in 2017. I thought he was actually like close, could have been an MVP conversations. Then that ACL happened and everything's just downhill from there. Well, he does have the – how do I want to put it? He does have the relationship with Frank Wright. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That influenced a lot. And it seemed as if they were – because it's a five-week injury and this is still before the preseason, there's a good chance that Carson Wentz could be ready on week one. But there's also a good chance that Carson Wentz may not be ready until week eight. Mm. And this is all determined on pain tolerance. So according to everybody, every doctor who kind of mentions the surgery, they highlight the fact that the surgery will be healed in four weeks. The surgery itself, the incision, everything, the, the, the tissue, everything else should be healed within a month. The weeks after that, and this is where I feel like this could be the biggest indictment against Carson Wentz, and it could be un- unfair to him. However, they said that five to 12-week timetable is based on pain tolerance. So what you're telling me is Nelson will play week one, Wentz won't play till. Week 10. <laughs> and now you're going where I'm going. So what happens if Quentin Nelson does have – and this is before Quentin Nelson, his injury was announced. But let's say that Quentin Nelson does come back, like you said, week one. And Carson Wentz doesn't come back to week nine. So now you're questioning how his body heals. Yeah. That's a bigger problem than, as you said before, what the injury is. The injury can be one thing. If I feel like your body is slow to heal, the injury goes out the window now. Now it doesn't matter what happens to you. The damaged goods comment may be right if he doesn't heal properly from this surgery. Mm. So it appeared as if they were going to keep the quarterback room the same with the exception of adding in Brett Hundley. And I'm like, I'm try, I can't think of everybody else's name that's on the roster. But let's say they have four. I think they have four quarterbacks on the roster right now, not including Carson Wentz. It seemed as if they were going to let that team go until Quentin Nelson went down with his injury. And my only question is, you can't try to find your quarterback or a possible replacement quarterback when you don't have your best offensive lineman, right? I would agree, but that roster is so deep and talented everywhere. So I don't think they're just going to throw the year away and try to get um, Howell, Sam Howell. I don't think they're trying to do that. The Colts just don't – I mean, the only, the only time they ever tanked was when Peyton had the neck surgery. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
isn't it crazy how like <laughs> like the Indianapolis Colts went from like <coughs> Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers to Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's crazy. You need to say that other name before that. It was Peyton Manning, oh, yeah, Andrew Peyton, Luck, Philip yeah. Rivers, then but Carson Wentz. Well, no, I'm just talking like it was bang, bang, bang. I'm talking about the fall from grace. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and you actually, I'm, I'm, I swear. Next topic, because I'm saying this, and I'm out of here. If I'm Frank Wright, I'm calling Andrew Luck. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. Tom Brady turned 44 recently. Um, wait, actually, I'm not off that. I'm going back to it. If you're Andrew Luck, you're not with the team built the way that it is, and I finally have a line that could, that could, that could protect for you Andrew give me one give me one year and then go back to what you were doing if I'm Andrew I'm like I'm giving him the middle finger like ah fuck you <laughs> you didn't protect me when it nah, mattered like, nah I'm out y'all yeah y'all took too long <laughs> Frank I'm sure you're a good guy but nah this shit should have been done you tried to protect three quarterbacks before you got to me no yeah no <laughs> um let's talk about the quarterback that's always protected it seems and that's Tom Brady he turned 44 recently um, aside from the fact that Leonard Fournette has probably one of the best social medias ever, um, what? Why is this a topic? And I wrote it. Um, I don't know, man. It's he's <laughs> forty-four years old. He's you know unbelievable, what? man. This it's is this is what got me. And no disrespect to Udonis has them because we talk about Clubhouse and uh, on this show a lot, and the Clubhouse app. I meet different people from different rooms and all these different things. And uh, D- the Detroit rooms is where I always talk to you guys about. A lot of Miami locals are in those rooms. And a lot of people who have met and or interact with Udonis has them on a frequent basis said that you can't come to Miami and say anything about Udonis Haslam. Basketball or otherwise, mm. just does it won't go well for you. And I say that to say, with all due respect to Udonis Haslam, he's forty-one years old. The Miami Heat have kept him around for the last two seasons, and they've been open about it as a locker room guy. Yeah, I think he's also sometimes um, on the box score you can see he's listed as a player slash coach. Really? Yeah. I think I've seen that before. Unless That's amazing. I think I've seen that. So you already know what he's going to do afterwards. He's going he's gonna to go the Jawan Howard route, and he's going to go straight to the Miami front office. Or Miami coaching staff and or front office. I think Jawan Howard, his last year in Miami, it was also a player slash coach on the uh, – I remember box score, maybe like a game recap. It like before – like his introduction, you know, his mm-hmm. identifier was um, – it was player slash coach. So – at what point are we going to identify that the Miami Heat franchise just does it better? <laughs> Except for Dwayne Wade. Culture. I don't know what the hell happened. And the funny thing is, even when they mishandled Dwayne Wade, they corrected it. In, like, it's only a certain – it's only a handful of ways that you could correct it and we'll be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And they did it. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know how many times I can look at Miami and say, ah, you guys got this one wrong. Um, but I mentioned Udonis Haslam being 41 and him – not playing for Miami, essentially, Tom Brady is three years older and plays football. It, yeah, the words at this point just aren't even enough. It's just, like, unbelievable. It, 
just leaves you speechless, honestly, how he's so – and he's still like – he looks like he enjoys training camp, and it oh confuses man, yeah. me. He it confuses me. You've been playing football for longer than some of your teammates have been alive. I was listening to this podcast, and I think an executive of – it was an AFC East team. They When they – they were watching the Bucks game last year, and they're like, "This shit is fucking ridiculous. This guy's doing this, and it, nothing's changed. You know, like the age isn't catching up. Tom Brady is still out there, just, just, it's crazy." And, and the executive was like, "Yeah, it's almost sickening. Like, how is this possible? It's like he, this guy has not changed at all." And the I've been thing about sports that I've learned, ever. we like, we like how to tell the story. And I'm not going to say how every reporter at responds, but some media members don't know how to act when you can't get a grasp on a story. And I think that's why Skip Bayless gets under a lot of people's skin. I think that's why Colin Cowherd gets under a lot of people's skin because their points so drastically waver sometimes. <laughs> because it's like, okay, you clearly watched the game last night because I, I hear you this morning. Or you clearly didn't watch the game last night because I hear you this morning. And when you come across situations like that, I think that's where you get to the Max Kellermans, oh, Brady's going to fall off a cliff. Because that's what we've always seen. It happens to everybody else, so why would I not bet on this to happen to him? Like I said, LeBron James is probably – I mean, we mentioned uh, somebody else a couple weeks ago – or maybe last week, and I can't think of who it is, but Luca may have it. We think Luca may eventually probably get it. LeBron James, as of right now, I believe is the only player with three primes. That first thing in Cleveland could have been a Hall of Fame resume for somebody already, if he stays. Even without a ring, if he stays. Then he goes to Miami, and he's going to have that number six jersey retired. And then he gets to L.A. as the washed king and may walk away with two championships? Hell, even if it's one. I would combine the L.A., though, with the um, – I think the third prime was his second stand. Second stand in Cleveland. Where he kind of became like a floor master. Because in Miami, we saw just just utter dominance, physical. Probably the best Brown we've ever seen. Yeah, the physical peak. And then in Cleveland, we kind of saw like the master like of like, all right, children, <laughs> watch how it's done, you know. Which confuses me because I think we love LeBron too much to talk about it. But he said when Kyrie wanted out that he was grooming Kyrie to, I don't want to say be him, but essentially be next up. If you was going to L.A., how long was you going to teach him to be next up? My funny thing, my favorite thing with the whole Kyrie thing is – how much do you think – so do you remember the question the reporter asked where it's like, hey, Kyrie, um, another player on the Cavs, I'm skipping – I don't know the name. I uh, was saying, like, LeBron's like a father figure. And it's oh, I do remember that. How much do you think that question influenced Kyrie saying, you know what, like, bro, I think Kyrie the confirmed then. I think it was in that moment. He I promise like, you. Because he, he heard it, and that's why he repeated it, because he was like, parent? Okay, I thought you meant, like, father. Like, all right, so you told me, okay. And she was – and she repeated it. And that's when he was like, oh, so you did me. Yeah, he's like, okay, I'm out. He was like, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. 
I think yeah, but I think uh, yeah, he covered for himself. He's like, okay, he's like, I don't know, but you know, I don't know about all that. And then he's like, I have a father who I love and respect. <laughs> and then I think the back of his head, he's like, I'm done. I'm done. That's I think it. in that yeah. moment, he was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I truthfully think he made up his mind in that moment. Yeah. I do. Uh, you could see, I like, I think that's a more underrated part about the Kyrie Cleveland breakup is like, watch his reaction. That's that was the end. That was it. That was that was that. <laughs> And leave it to us to talk about Tom Brady in the age 44 and then all of a sudden circle back to LeBron. Don't ask. Um, but let's let's last 10 minutes of the show. We already talked about my dad's tip in. So let's touch on the Hall of Fame game. We get football tomorrow. I'll be honest, man. The Hall of Fame game is one of the toughest games to watch. Not because of the Hall of Fame ceremony, because obviously that's one thing to tune in for. The game is usually so bad to watch. Oh, dude, it's like summer league basketball. <laughs> it's fucking rough, man. Hey, NBA, uh, Miss Joanna, he said that. I don't know. I don't. He said that. <laughs> Tyler said that. It's, I didn't say that. It's guys fighting for like <laughs> roster spots, and you could tell they are just going two hundred miles per hour too fast. And it's like, dude, all right, let's slow down. You're just <laughs> like a chicken with its head cut off, just full on. It's like, all right, how confused do you think you're going to be with the first cornerback that you see with the number two? Yeah, that's going to be <laughs> I'm going to be so thrown man. off. I forgot about the number change. That's going to be weird. I'm going to be so thrown off, man. Yeah, that's going to be. So what happens when Julio Jones is matched up against Darius Slay? They're both number two. <laughs> it's just weird. Julio's number two? Yes, Julio's oh, number wow. two now. That's weird. Antonio Brown, or excuse Antonio Brown, excuse me, A.J. Brown tried to give him number 11, and he said Julio wouldn't take it. Oh, that's right, A.J. is 11. Yeah, change is weird, man. Change is, <laughs> change is weird. It's hard. It's weird. Oh, man. What I will say that we will say in terms of, or what I will say that we will see in terms of change, Um, I can't speak for everybody else, but I have been ecstatic to see Dak Prescott get back to work and yes, sir. as anticipated. We will not be watching him get back to work tomorrow. I cannot tell you how happy I am that I feel like Dak Prescott and his team went to the Cowboys and said, I'm not playing. And I probably won't play this full preseason. I might play in the in the third one because it's our dress rehearsal. And I'm going to give you one drive. And that's it. I think Dak Prescott should play one drive this preseason. I absolutely stand by that. Yeah. For what? What are we, what are we, what are we doing? What are we talking about? I'm excited to see him kind of ascend to like that top five spot. Talk about it. Um, I think he's got it. Whose top five spot does he take? <sighs> so, um, all right. Well, let, yeah. Let's. So we have not in any order. We just have Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes. Some combination of those three, right? Yep. Four. MVP. My bad, bro. Who was MVP last year? <laughs> no, I was just saying your MVP, but I was going to say Lamar Jackson. You already named Oh, yeah, MVP Lamar. Um, Josh Allen. Is that four and five? That's your five. Did we feel comfortable with that? Four? Am I forgetting anyone? You you guys are going to be so mad because the name that I mentioned is the name that I'm unsure about. The job as a quarterback is to throw the ball. And I don't know if Lamar can't. I don't oh, know no, no. if Baltimore trusts him, too. Dak will – Dak's going to – I think Dak's a better quarterback than Lamar, but I'm just saying at the moment, Lamar, like, until some – I mean, he put up – ridiculous numbers back-to-back exactly. season so until somebody comes and unseats him um i think we're kind of unfair to lamar at times with like absolutely what because he's kind of breaking what we expect from quarterbacks um so i don't know I, I i love lamar though he's one of my favorite players um part of the reason why i kind of stopped giving a shit about the giants 
<laughs> no, I'm being serious. Like I know you are, which makes it worse. He's so much fun to watch, and like it's like. Why do I have to be constrict myself to something? I just do not enjoy watching. Like, I so, love watching Lamar Jackson. So you like, wasn't okay with the toughness in New York Giant training camp that there was a fight that broke out amongst teammates where Daniel Jones ended up on the bottom. Yeah, I. You yeah. you didn't like that? I honestly I didn't even know about it. I do. I'm so I've been I so you far. Didn't. Away. That's the whole point. I've been so far away from like anything Giant. You are you. Tyler, I'm still. I really want to have this conversation, and I just wish that somebody, when we move this show over to our new place that we're about, that we're getting ready to move it over to, can I bring a therapist in? <laughs> no, yeah, no, please, uh, no. I, I I need to figure out. I I think you and Salim are my. You therapist. were. I truthfully <laughs> think that you were in a, a in an abusive relationship with the New York Giants. Like the way that you have PTSD. I'm I I I'm worried about you, buddy. I I say I say a lot of shit. Um. I mean some of it. I think some of the I, <laughs> I was in a I was in a dark place with the Odell stuff. I truthfully was. That really like Yeah, that was rough. That was that was hard. Um <laughs> No, nah, but um what's it called? Yeah, I don't I just don't let the Giants affect me anymore. Like I still I'm a, I, I'm st- I still support And them. even then, I'm so unsure about that. You said I just don't let the Giants affect me anymore. Is that healthy? That's all I want to know cuz I'm going to bring in a therapist if nothing else for my Packers cuz this is my last year of of knowing what my team looks like. Yeah. So, I, I, I think I think we can do this. Yeah, I man, think we can do a I think we can do a football therapy session. I think I need it. Let's bring in my dad for that one. Yeah, and figure out when he's gonna no longer be a cowboy fan. Yeah, he'll <laughs> always be a cowboy fan, right? Always. We, we'll I always so. that we just yeah. It's just I'm excited for Dak though, man. Back to Dak. Yeah, I I really that was actually the last Giants game I watched last year when Dak broke his leg. I was like, I'm done with this team. You lose the game, man. You break. I love Dak. I'm like, he break mm-hmm. his fucking leg. Mm. Like I, that pissed me off. I was like, yeah, I know it was un, uh, like totally unintentional. Of it was, course. yeah. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> That's <laughs> how like, you know you were. I was you're like, looking for any reason to be over a team. So I think that was like the last Giants game I watched. Um, but no, man, Dak. I know I keep harping Dak, Dak, Dak. No, yeah, this is, there's a there's a reason. He was on track for like five thousand and what forty touchdowns. That's Absurd what nobody talks about. Numbers, bro. The year or the game that the Cleveland Browns put up forty eight points or forty nine points. I keep telling people. Yes, the Browns looked great that game. Yes, you guys can mention that the Cowboys, yes, their defense is this is then a third. Dak Prescott had five touchdowns that game. It's cut and I'm not this is nothing. Had four or five, something crazy. And the week before, remember they were losing the Falcons by like thirty? Absolutely. And in Seattle, the year even though they lost that Seattle game, they were still down big and Dak just went nuts in like a quarter and a half of play. It's like, dude. Dak has those moments. And the funny thing is we me and my dad have always had this argument of when you defend against the Cowboys, and it's funny how he said this before, and history has proven him to be right, but in the time I told him he wasn't, I said, as a Packer fan, if I'm going into Dallas, Dak Prescott got to beat me. Ezekiel Elliott isn't doing it. I'm going to have my front seven hovering over your line because I know what you're going to do. Dak Prescott's going to have to beat me over the top. He's going to do it now. Yeah. I think last year was the big – I'm not even saying that because he was looking for a contract, but, like, last year he – that was just – it's kind of like watching, like, something grow. Like, I've seen Dak, you know, a lot because, you know, same division, but, yep. like, just the way he's developed and grown as a leader, as a man. I love that shit, man. I'm I'm a big Dak supporter. I really uh, – last year I gained all sorts of respect, and that was before the broken leg. Um, so we got two minutes left in the show – three minutes left in the show. Um, 
Oh. Any Hail Marys? You have, yes, I got one. <laughs> and it's for you, actually. And I'm going to see where you take it. Uh-oh. Because you talked about one quarterback, but you refused to talk about the other one. If Dak Prescott's ceiling is still so high, how do we feel about Ben Roethlisberger? Oh, he's fucking cooked. <laughs> also, yeah, Steelers fans, y'all can have me. Oh, you can come at my neck. I don't care. Your quarterback is cooked. He is garbage. That brother needs to retire yesterday. I, I'm gonna let. I I gotta let the show end somewhere soon after, after that. <laughs> I'm just gonna let okay, it happen. Well, what's your opinion on? I'm, I'm just mean, gonna let on. it happen. What I will say is, Big Ben doesn't look like Big Ben anymore. Oh no, he's just and big. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Like, there's, a, I've never been a Roethlisberger supporter, and uh, I, oh, I wish Salim was here because uh, Salim, you know where Salim would go. Yeah, with exactly, it. bringing up past and out, off the field shit. I, no, that's why I love Salim. But um, mm-hmm. no, Roethlisberger, bro. If that happened with social media and the, oh no no no, his ass would have been. I, I cannot, oh, I cannot stand Roethlisberger. <laughs> this is what I will say. I won't tell you how much I feel about how I feel about him too much because I do feel like. We've seen the best of Ben Roethlisberger before, and I'm not even sure what the ceiling looks like for Ben Roethlisberger now. But what I will say is, shout out to Taylor Janelle. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to say her last name right now, but I'm going to say Taylor Janelle because that is one of the most diehard Steeler fans that I've ever been around. And I asked her, as soon as the playoff game was over, what do you want next season? She said Big Ben and Juju got to go. Oh, yeah. She still has both. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, keep on talking, guys. <laughs>